said about the hardcore industry what's that there's not enough hardcore in hardcore oh yeah yeah Yeah, they didn't get black flag or the 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 dicks or the dead kennedys or they weren't there they weren't represented they really weren't and that's sad and it's doubly sad that they didn't take the opportunity to get earth crisis to write the uh, music for today's film yeah, I guess yeah. it is. You heard it. You liked it. It's good stuff. Yeah. You like those two ads that played before? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play 20 seconds of this classic for Boss, but it took a long time to get going because there were so many ads. <laughs> I haven't been on YouTube in forever. When did they... The last time I think I was on YouTube regularly was when I had an office job and they started putting ads in the middle of songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, people would upload albums and stuff, and usually the ads would come on after a track, but they started splitting into the tracks, and it became intolerable. (laughs) Yeah, I'm on my friend's uh, Google family plan. Mm -hmm. He's got YouTube premium, so I don't have to worry about it, thankfully. Well, then you should have pulled it up. I guess I should have, but I didn't know what was happening. That's because I like to move... uh, in mysterious Just, ways. Yeah. That's what they taught me in Catholic school. <laughs> to move in mysterious ways. Uh-huh. And to not tell anything, anyone about anything that happened. <laughs> well, uh, on that dark joke, welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hello. We're back for the new year. Yep. This is our first uh, film coverage of 2022. Yeah. That last one... It came out last week, but that really wasn't the new year yet. It takes a couple of days to settle in. Yeah. It's still 2021 up until about the 5th. <laughs> well, today we are pleased to be able to talk to you about a film by Cecil Howard. Uh, what seems like a fairly ambitious film by the uh, plot structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is... Firestorm from 1984. Yes, 1984's Firestorm from 1984, starring Eric Edwards. Yes, Eric Edwards as the delightful Ken, the writer, and uh, ghostwriter, in fact, who has uh, quite a sexual journey through uh, various escapades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's escapades. In addition to Eric Edwards this week, we have Kay Parker as Magda Balcourt, mm-hmm. the uh, affluent lady, uh, and her husband, Lee, played by John Leslie. Of course, uh, Ken's life wouldn't be complete without uh, Liza, played by Tina Marie. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we also have appearances by Sharon Mitchell as Elise, uh, Sharon Kane as Laura, Veronica Hart as Suzanne, who just asks them questions. Sure. <laughs> uh, and Joanna Storm as Claire. And Ricky Hart as Barbara. Mm-hmm. And we've also got George Payne. Oh, yeah. George playing, Payne is James. Playing a man named James that I don't remember, but I just saw him on the thing. This he is doesn't have, like, much of a narrative role. He is... Uh, well, I'll point him out along yeah, the way. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might know who he is thinking back on it, but... Yeah, this is another Cecil Howard film with his con with his co-writer Ann Randall, who yes. I was trying to learn more about. Uh, there's a couple Ann Randalls. The one that's most popular was uh, a Playboy Centerfold, but it's not it's not her. Okay. Okay. She mostly just seemed to write the films. Uh, she wrote some of the songs. She wrote the music and the lyrics for Scoundrels, your favorite theme. Oh, that's a delightful theme. Yeah, she wrote I think this one as well. She's a uh, really running the show for old Cecil. She really is. And she shows up as Anne Tenoy in a bunch of his films, but okay. I really don't know what she looks like to pick her out. So okay, I'm gonna take I'm gonna snap pictures of all the ladies in this movie and then take them to a detective <laughs> and see if he can find out who she is. Uh, yeah, that's a little Anne Randology for you. Our Anne Randology of the week. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's just, you know, it's just once. Now. <laughs> Anne Randallology. No. No. No, no, no. I'm backing out. Okay. Well, we're, we're out of the Randallology, and uh, I guess... On with the show. Yeah, into the into the fire. Oh yeah, into the firestorm. Oh yeah. I closed it. I was going to hit play on the song, but I closed it. And I'm not going to pull it back up. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, uh, well, with that deflating ending, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and throw to our commercial, and then we'll be back to talk about firestorm. So, Jeremy, I know that you've said before that, like, you've gotten kind of annoyed where movies have had, like, flashbacks within flashbacks. Uh, yes. Anytime a film takes me too many layers deep, <laughs> I have to keep track and pay a lot more attention. I gotta just keep my mind focused and remember which layer of being that i'm on right and sometimes that can be difficult especially in uh films that don't give you any kind of setup 
right? Which tend to be the lower budget uh, films that I enjoy. <laughs> right. So, uh, the, can the, you the, the, yes? Can you explain the plot structure of this film? The uh, the framing device here. Sort of. I think I got it after seeing it. Mm-hmm. Now we open up with a young blonde woman, right? Who's moving about a room. You don't really know much about her. There's some narration that kind of says some things, right? And then we're off into a f- we're off. That yeah. was that was a flashback, or that was a fantasy, perhaps. Maybe a flash forward. A flash forward. It's kind of. We're starting in the middle. Actually, I guess we're starting at the end, in a way. Um, So, no, I cannot explain the plot structure of this film. It weaves and bobs like the the webs of fate, the the fates themselves. Yes. And who knows when they will choose to cut the strings that bind us short. So, (laughs) explain what goes on in this film. Okay, so... We go from that to a small house where we see Liza, I believe, uh, and Eric Edwards' character, Ken. Ken Cushing, the author. Yes. He is naked in bed with no cover on, mm-hmm. just dick out. Right. And Liza runs in and tells him to wake up and climbs in bed with him. She's upset. Um... But he has to kind of pry it out of her to tell her to tell him what's going on. Uh, she's upset because Claire took her stuff and moved out. Okay, so yes, this is kind of beginning at, at, at the end. At the end, yes. <clears throat> uh, actually, it's only now that I'm reading my notes that I have any idea what's happening yes, at the beginning I, of the movie. That's kind of what I was looking at mine, too, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah there's a... I don't think it's a weakness, but there's definitely maybe not enough setup exactly for what's happening when. Yeah. There's a, maybe like a little thing at the bottom, like... Or one week earlier or something <laughs> might help, but I don't know. I I think maybe it's one of those films you just got to watch a couple times and you're like, oh yeah, this. You're meant to watch this over and over again. Yeah. This is the one you rented for the weekend. You just got to keep watching Firestorm and piece it all together. Like yes. Us. So Claire took her stuff and moved out and Liza starts asking Ken why he did it. She says it could have worked. She walks out to a window and says something about how it's just you and me, kid. So then we cut to some shots of a city, and Ken is laying on a couch being interviewed by Veronica Hart. Yes. Uh, um, who is Suzanne. Mm-hmm. He says that he had so much in common with Liza, but then he starts talking about Claire. Uh, I stopped to put in my notes here. I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah. I don't think I knew his name up until maybe like this point. (laughs) Right. So we cut to another scene and hear a narration. It all started with a phone call. So now we're in a flashback. 
So we flash forward for a couple scenes, and I guess we get to what I'm going to say to anchor the film is the present. Yeah. Where he's talking to Suzanne. Yeah, where he's talking who's to... Who's interviewing him. Yes. So... Some of these are flashbacks. Some of them are related memories and tales. <laughs> it's a very jumbled narrative. We see Ken naked in a, a shitty apartment. There's a bunch of chatter in the background. Um, really loud neighbors. He answers the phone but can't hear, so he opens up his door bare-ass naked and yells out at everybody to shut up. He calls them assholes. He returns to the phone call, and uh, this is where he is solicited by Mrs. Balcourt to uh, ghostwrite her biography, her autobiography. Yes. He asks where she heard about him, and uh, she mentions Elise. So then we get another flashback. Yeah, with yeah within the tales he is telling it to veronica hart right uh we cut to him naked with elise who's played by sharon mitchell she gives him a drink and uh she says you know what i like i like fucking your big cock and uh then she starts to blow him she gives him uh what i considered a very talented blowjob yeah she's uh doing a great job that's what i wrote I was like, I'm not sure why, but she's doing a great job. <laughs> great minds think alike. Yes. She says, I like it on top. And so we cut to her riding him and then they're 69ing. Then we cut to her up on her shoulders and him fingering her yep. with her vagina pointed up in the air. And then he starts to give her the old pile driver. Yes, he sure does. Uh, I'm glad there are pros doing it, because usually it's some people who are just, we don't know, and we <laughs> never get to know them, because they destroy their bodies doing this for one film. Right. And that's it. Like in uh, The Sorceress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't know in, where'd they go? We don't know. That's a good point. Eric and, Edwards survived this one. Yeah, and the Hot Flashes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That couple pile drive for a while, they had those dick pills that they sold on the TV. Right. Um and they pile-drived each other into dust. <laughs> pile-drived, pile-drove. Pile-driven? Oh, yes, they were pile-driven into pieces. Yes. <laughs> he tells her to tell him she loves it as he's fucking her doggy style. She says, I do. I love fucking your big cock. And uh, he finally, after a bit, pulls out and comes on her ass. He asks her if they should work on the book again, and she says no, and they start to kiss. We then cut back to Ken on the phone, so the flashback within the flashback is over. Yeah, that's done. Uh, so he wraps up the phone call. We then cut to him talking with Mrs. Balcourt, his employer here. Uh, her name is Magda, she insists to be called, and she is played by Kay Parker. Mm-hmm. He starts to interview her about her life, but as soon as he does, we see a shot up her skirt, and then we see that she's got her toes right up against his crotch. 
He asked if he should ask her some deep probing questions, but uh, Magda gets distracted by her daughter in the distance. Uh, her daughter being Claire. Yes. Uh, but Claire is not alone. Claire also has, who I only discovered very late in the film, was an au pair. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what her role was until much later in the film. I was like, is that her friend? Her right. sister? I don't know. But uh, she has been hired to take care of Claire because Claire is blind. Oh. So uh, we have them, and of course we also have Mr. Balcourt, Lee Balcourt, played by John Leslie. Mm-hmm. Magda starts talking about how hot it is and uh, starts to kind of wave her top a bit as letting air into it. He tells her, I'm going to turn you inside out. Don't worry. I'm sure you've got a lot of surprises. We then cut to Magda showing Ken his room. Uh, He's apparently spending the night there. She wishes him good night and uh, gives him a peck on the lips. Magda's then called away by her daughter Claire and she leaves, saying she's sure he can tuck himself in. So we see Ken lay back in bed. He's talking to himself, mentioning Claire. There's something about her he couldn't place. We hear in a voiceover that he needs a drink, so we then cut immediately from there to a bar. (laughs) And there's a woman dancing on the bar in a purple veil, some sort of Middle Eastern motif. And uh, this is Liza, played by Tina Marie. (laughs) It sure is. Ken on his way, uh, Ken works his way in and sits down at the bar. Liza sits down next to him. He starts talking to Liza and they talk about having not seen each other in a while. And, uh, they mention something about something that happened back in San Francisco. Then we cut to another flashback within this flashback. Yes. We Um, are in a room that I... I wasn't immediately sure if this was a flashback. Is I thought they had maybe like gone to like the backstage of like the bar, right? But no, we're back in San Francisco. Yes, back in San Francisco, we've got Liza there, kind of bent forward and sticking her ass out, but she's not alone. She's there with James, played by George Payne. Yes, that's I knew he looked familiar. And uh, Leon, played by Michael Bruce. They're kind of fingering her vagina from behind and uh, rubbing her ass and stuff. We then see a door open and then Leon leads in Laura, played by Sharon Kane. James tells Liza she doesn't have to do this if she doesn't want to, but she says she does. So Laura squats down and starts to rub her vagina on Liza's boob. (laughs) She's in a cape. Don't. Oh, yeah. Neglect to mention that she is in a cape for some reason. And the door they come through is like a sliding bamboo door. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's quite a scene. It's real far out. Laura and Liza, 69 for a bit. And uh, James leans in to assist uh, giving oral to Lisa. To Lisa. Liza. Liza. <laughs> Liza. Leon uh, puts his dick in Liza's mouth at the same time. 
Then Leon starts to fuck Laura as she's still in 69 position on top of Liza. And uh, James starts to fuck Liza. Yeah. Everybody's fucking and pumping away. Yeah. After a few minutes of this uh, and some ball sucking, uh, James pulls out and comes on Liza's pubes, and uh, Leon comes on her face as she finishes him off. Uh, is here with all the cum all over the place that Ken walks in. He says hey to Liza and then uh, takes in what's in front of him. He says, I sold my book. That's why he came home early. And there's some blank stares. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it's pretty good. I like this whole scene. I think it, uh, it's really like well shot and lit. Yeah. And everything like because the whole thing's bathed in this red light. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like the music in this film a lot. It's very, uh, there's something very 80s about it. Yeah. It's got this kind of, uh, like, the sort of stuff you might hear in, it's like a thriller film from the period, kind of synthy, but also a little, it's like oddly restrained. Okay. Like, it never becomes, like, Muzak or, like, full songs it's a lot of like keyboard tones and things but uh i don't know i liked it it kind of reminded me of like some of the jan hammer music from uh the miami vice soundtrack okay i could see that yeah it's got some of that to it which uh i enjoyed i enjoyed it uh a lot those soundtracks one of the standout things in this film which i'll get into my review but yeah while we're here i'd like to stop and compliment like a good scene when it happens excellent so we cut back to we cut back to ken in the bar again with liza talking to her she sits down next to him he tells her it's been a long time and he likes her act she tells him she still needs a good finish which i didn't understand what that meant until near the end of the film She asks him to buy her a drink, and he does. But he says, of all the bars I could walk into, it had to be this one. He makes a Casablanca reference that she doesn't seem to get. Oh, yeah. She just kind of stares at him blankly after he says that. (laughs) (laughs) We cut to Ken waking up in bed with Liza. He asks her what time it is, and it's noon. He says, shit, he's got to get to the bell cords. Liza asks Ken if he's going to fuck her, Mrs. Belcourt. Mrs. Belcourt. He avoids the question and calls her a cunt, but she asks him again if he's going to fuck her. Mrs. Belcourt, are you trying to seduce me? (laughs) (laughs) He says maybe she doesn't want him. They playfully wrestle a bit, but we cut to the Belcourt's house and Magda's upset that Ken isn't there. Her butler says he went out late last night but hasn't returned. She says that they had a recording session scheduled for that morning, but he hasn't shown up. The butler then gets on the phone and says to Claire on the phone that he's going to take her mother out. He also asks her if he should have uh, Miss Barbara come along. We cut back to Ken in bed with uh, Liza. She says that she wants him right now. But he starts to taunt her, saying that 
that rich bitch over there has good balconies. As he grabs Liza's tits. She calls him a bastard. But, uh... She also says that he could never make a move on her. She tells him to call her right now and tell him what he can do to her. Liza seems to be riding his dick a bit as she's talking to him. She tells him to go ahead and do it. So we cut to Claire in her bedroom, sitting there in her panties, brushing her hair. The phone starts ringing and she answers. We cut to Ken, and when he hears the voice, he says he doesn't think it's Mrs. Belcourt. Eliza tells him to go ahead and talk to whoever it is, so he starts talking about his hard cock and uh, says something about her pussy. She says she thinks he has the wrong number. Um, she He keeps talking about his cock and her pussy, and she says that she doesn't have a cat and couldn't see his rooster anyway because she's blind. Yeah, I think this is where you first find out she's blind. Right. Because everyone reacts with shock. Yes. They're like, oh no, we dirty prank called a blind girl. Meanwhile, Liza's stroking Ken's cock, and uh, she stops stroking him right around that moment of shock, which leads to him uh, dribbling out his cum unstroked for a ruined orgasm. Uh. <laughs> She hangs up his phone, and uh, Claire says hello as uh, the phone's been hung up. She then lays back and starts to finger herself, and then tastes her finger. We cut to a car pulling up to the Belcourt house, and it's Lee Belcourt, John Leslie. He's got a Grateful Dead vanity plate. Does he? Yeah. It's like the little, <laughs> just like the skull with like the lightning bolt in it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The butler meets him and mentions that Magda's waiting on Ken Cushing. He asks why. He asks why he's heard that name before, and the butler explains that he wrote the biography of that film star who died. Oh, yeah. While she was still alive, of course. Right. Shauna uh, Grant? <laughs> maybe. Okay. Uh... He explains that he's a ghostwriter. He also mentions something about Mr. Sid calling and making sure he was uh, keeping his split cold or something. Something shady. Lee pulls out a briefcase after the butler leaves the room and starts to look in a little black book he has that says cash on it. There's a woman outside yelling for Lee. This is Barbara, the au pair. Yes, who's she played by? Uh, she is played by Ricky Hart. Okay, yeah, I think you said that at the beginning, because I remember hearing that name, but yes, okay. Yes, uh, and oh. I think the poster has something, like, advertising Ricky Hart, because she was like a... Okay, yeah, because she's the girl in, like, the blue bikini on the front. Yeah. So, okay, because I knew her by that, and I was like, oh, that's the girl from the cover. I don't know who she is or what she's doing in this movie. I'm an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> So Lee waves out the window at Barbara, who had yelled out to him. He pulls out uh, some diamonds that looks like some sort of, like, a thick bracelet or something like that. Yes, yes. Um, But meanwhile, in another room, we see Magda pull out some fancy diamond jewels of her own. Mm -hmm. She holds them below her eye as if they're tears coming out of her eye. Yeah, well, the one is like a big teardrop shape, so it works. 
but yeah, she just looks real sad, and then we're we're immediately to... taken from that to another flashback. Now, how is Eric Edwards relating any of this? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he is. I guess not. <laughs> There's a bunch of the movie where he's not there. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, there's some structural problems with the film, but uh, <laughs> let's proceed. So we see Claire. It's her birthday. She blows out the candles and everybody's laughing and having a good time. Uh, it seems that she can see at this point. Yes. Uh, the butler pours Lee a drink. Uh, we get a few minutes of just shots of people having fun at the party, and we only hear music, no sound effects or voices. The music is the birthday song, but it's, like, very bent and eerie sounding. Yeah, it's on, like, some sort of organ-y, pro- uh, probably an electric organ instrument. Yeah. And, like, played, like, on a really high end of the scale. Yeah, it's, uh, it's bizarre. The whole scene is very strange. John Wesley is just getting... Drunker and drunker. Yeah, Claire's dancing with a guy as well. Uh, this is Lewis. Lee's gotten really sloppy now. So he gets up and cuts in with the dance that Lewis and his daughter Claire was having. But the butler decides to lead his drunk ass away. So... Magda walks over and whispers something into Lewis's ear. We then cut to Magda and Lewis alone in a room. Magda's laying in bed in lingerie. Lewis mentions that he saw them put Mr. Belcourt to bed. He then starts to insult her, but she's really into it. She says that she's going to save her daughter from him and says that he must seduce women like this all the time. He then gets his big cock out, and they start to talk dirty a bit more. He gets on top of her and rolls her up onto her shoulders and starts to eat her out very roughly. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, pushing the vagina towards the camera and, like, a upward fashion in this film yeah yeah Yeah. for sure i'm sure it happens in other ones but it seemed to happen in like almost every sex scene in this one so it just became noticeable right but uh he really pulls her open you see where the babies come from (laughs) magda starts to blow lewis and she gets on top and rides him reverse cowgirl uh, she's wearing this bra that her breasts are spilling out of, but she's still wearing it. And she rides away, and then we cut and see Claire in the doorway. Magda gets up off of Lewis's cock and strokes him to finish him off. She then tells him to get lost and never come back. So he says he's going to let himself out. But then Magda looks up and sees Claire staring at her and asks how long she's been watching. She then freaks out and asks if her father asked her to spy on her. (laughs) Claire's upset, obviously. She gets in Magda's face and spits in it. Yes. And then Magda slaps her and Claire is immediately blind. Yes. 
this. She screams out, I can't see! Yeah. Oh, God. I love it. I <laughs> wrote uh, <or> five stars. <laughs> uh, what an amazing bit of melodrama. Cause it's, it, the way it's shot is really cool because it's like, kind of like uh, the, the show Peep Show, if you're familiar, where it's like oh, yeah. first person, you know? So, like, you see, like, this big glob of, like, not really spit-looking spit hit K. Parker, and then you see, like, K. Parker attack you. Right. And you get very scared and hide under the covers. <laughs> we then cut to Magda, who's putting on lipstick in the mirror. The music gets really trippy, and then she starts to draw on her face with the lipstick. Yeah, she gets really jokery here. She's uh, breaking down. We cut to Lee. He's on the waterfront near his house. Claire is out waiting in the water, splashing around. But Barbara is uh, laying there kind of in the grass nearby. He gets down with her and uh, he starts to make a move on her. And she says, not here, but he says he wants her here where anybody could see them. He tells her that Magda is back at the house and uh, gets down and starts to make out with her. He pulls out his cock and she strokes it a bit. He pulls her tits out of her swimsuit and uh, then pulls the swimsuit off totally and mounts her. Claire's still in the water, splashing around and picking stuff up as uh, her dad fucks her au pair. Yes, is she... She could slap so hard that she became, like, developmentally disabled, too. <laughs> that's how it feels in a lot of this. Yes. Yeah. I think that might have was unsaid. It caused some real problems for her. <laughs> uh, Lee's really giving it to Barbara here in the sand. Uh, they the pause sun. for a moment to make sure Claire doesn't hear them before going right back at it. His back is glistening in sweat from fucking under this <laughs> hot sun <laughs> they sit up and she rides him as they sit face to face and then he lays her back down and fucks her missionary until he pulls out and comes on her belly and chest he then stands up and grabs his shorts and shirt and redresses he then drops a that diamond bracelet with her she picks it up and says table scraps shit so she is not pleased with this payment <laughs> no she doesn't like it so claire then approaches barbara and asks her if she thinks she's sexy and barbara laps and flips off the Belcourt house we cut back to the house itself and outside they're having a party magda and lee are socializing with the guests Liza then approaches Claire. Claire asks who's there, and she says it's Liza. She says that she doesn't know her, so Claire introduces herself, and Liza mentions that she came with Ken, the author. Um, then she says that she has something to tell her. We then see Lee approaching Barbara, whispering in her ear. Ken's talking to Magda. He mentions that he hasn't met her daughter yet, and Magda says that she can't get around like most girls, <laughs> and explains that she's blind. Ken then sees Liza talking to Claire and drags Liza away. 
we then see Magda and Ken talking again, and Magda asks if Ken knows that girl over there pointing at Liza. Ken says yeah, and asks Magda if she likes her. She says that she's pretty, but in... And then Ken finishes her sentence in a commoner sort of way, and Magda says yes. Yeah. Uh, Magda then introduces Ken to her daughter, Claire. Magda quickly excuses herself, though, because she sees Lee flirting with Liza. Liza is getting told by Lee that, uh, you know, he could show her his house. Um, but Magda shows up all pissed and Lee and Liza says she's going to take off. So, uh, Magda yells at Lee for embarrassing her. Ken then runs into Liza as she leaves that situation and they start to bicker and their argument makes its way into the house. Meanwhile, Barbara's walking around the house, rummaging through the place, looking for shit to steal. Yes. Uh, she's going through papers, grabbing some books and stuff. Ken drags Liza into one of the bedrooms, and Liza yells at Ken about how he obviously wants to fuck Claire. He yells at her about potentially losing him his job if he if she goes out and tells people this. He asks if she's worried about his cock or her pussy, and they bicker a bunch more. He notes her nipples are getting hard with them yelling at each other, and he then leans her back on the desk and notes that her pussy is wet. Impressive for a girl who's never had an orgasm before. And that's when we find out that uh, part of the sexual struggle with Ken and Liza was that Liza had never had an orgasm. Wow. With Ken or ever? I guess ever is the uh, implication. I think the implication is ever because I think that the scene earlier yeah. was her trying to like get out of her comfort zone with strangers, but yeah. she never got all the way there. That's very sad. It is. It's, uh, I hope things get better for her. Yes. I Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, I don't remember if they do. <laughs> <laughs> Ken then rips away Liza's panties with his teeth and starts to go down on her. He then gets up and gets ready to start fucking her, but he also asks her if she still doesn't like it in the ass. <laughs> Ken's fucking Liza up there as Barbara's helping herself to some perfume. Yeah. And then Claire shows up in the house. She's looking around as well. Claire's calling out for Barbara. And, uh, meanwhile, as Ken continues to fuck Liza, he puts his fingers in her mouth to muffle her screams. Yeah. Pretty cool. Claire then walks into the room that Barbara's in stealing shit. Claire calls out, Mother? Barbara just sneaks out of the room, dropping Lee's cash book. Yeah. All the while, she's like, you dropped your book. Mom, you dropped your book. And she picks up the book herself. Yeah. You see... It doesn't have Braille on it, so she can't read it. Right. Um, It's very sad. Liza's blowing Ken. She ends up finishing him off on her tits, and she licks it clean. And kisses up his body, and kisses his face. She tells him he's not going to win this time. She's not walking away. 
We then cut to Ken talking to Suzanne again, the yes. interviewer. Uh-huh. So we've jumped back out of the flashback for a moment. Yes, we're in what I suppose what we call the present. Well, we were considering the present. Okay. Uh, so she's, it's an imperfect future. He tells her that Barbara, the au pair girl, was a thief. She left him a message on his tape. <laughs> so he hits play, and then we cut to a dreamy scene that is supposed to be the recording that she left on the tape, but it's like her staring at the camera in a theatrical sort of way, giving yeah, a monologue. Yeah, a little monologue. There's a like a stool that she leans against and poses on. Yeah. It switches like, uh, like it makes several cuts through it. Yeah. Yeah, like little quick cuts while yeah. she talks about how her dad was a jewel thief and yes. oh my god, just so much good stuff just in these couple minutes. Yeah, so uh the general gist of it, she's got her tits out in some like leathery outfit. Yeah, it rules. And uh she talks about how her dad was a thief and got put in prison, but he was taking the fall for Lee. Right. So Lee gave her a job acting as, as she puts it, sort of a therapist for Claire. Yeah. Claire had a trauma. She says that her eyes are okay, but her brain rejects the images. It's uh, like that episode of King of the Hill when, when Hank sees his mom and yeah. that guy fucking on the table. <laughs> yes. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. Um, Th that was what I thought about. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if she ever, does she ever recover? I guess we'll see when we get to the end. That was my impression, but we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, she talks about her relationship with Lee and mentions that she has pictures and proof of his relationship with her, uh, with her lawyer as an insurance policy. She also says to just look at Lee's account book, his ledger. He then tells Suzanne that he didn't even know that she liked him because she had said something about thinking he was sexy or something like that yeah. in the tape as well. But um, her leaving changed things. So we see Magda and Ken talking. They want to be with each other. But Lee walks out of the house freaking out, yelling that she stole my ledger. He's like almost crying here. Yeah, he's... Well, he... I don't, I don't think he might have kind of get that... I think you might have kind of grazed over it, but uh, there's like an Arab that's following him around the party. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Who, who wants money from him and takes like 60000 he just happens to have in his pocket. And he's oh, like, yeah, but I yeah. want the rest later. Yeah. I've, so he's in deep. Yes, I completely left that out of my notes and that was important. Yes, it's okay. I'm, I'm here to catch you when you fall. Oh. Uh -huh. Yeah. So Magda, Lee, and the butler all head towards the car, leaving Ken there with Claire. Magda says goodbye as they take off, and then Ken tells Claire that he wants to get to know her. She says that she's glad. He calls her beautiful, and they start to kiss, just as Liza shows up. Yeah, I guess I probably wouldn't leave my blind daughter with a sexually rapacious ghostwriter <laughs> but maybe they're just not good parents yeah i think that might be part of it they're yeah. too wrapped up in their own depravities yeah and they're they're a pair just left with all the uh 
money, so right. I guess they can't just let her bumble around at home. And they can't drive themselves. The, the butler has to drive them. Right. So, it just falls to him. Uh, she's been foisted upon him. <laughs> so, we get some scenes of Liza and Claire talking to each other, having like these girl talk conversations while Ken sits a little bit away from them. Claire asks Liza if Ken's her boyfriend, and Liza says no, but he was a long time ago. In another scene, Claire tells Liza about Lewis. Uh, there's a scene where Lee's taking pictures of... Or, not Lee. There's a scene where Ken's taking pictures of Claire. Back inside, we see Liza and Claire talking again. Liza explains their relationship fell apart because she had a sexual problem. She thought she could solve it in her own way, and she kind of leaves it at that. Claire then asks Liza about the phone call they gave her the other day. She knew it was them, I guess based on their voices. She asks if uh, he fucked her after that, and if he licked her pussy. She says that she must have been awful on the phone. She must have disappointed them. Liza says she was great. Claire then asks Liza if she touches herself. We then cut to Liza walking into Claire's room. Claire's laying on the bed and Liza asks if she knows what she looks like. She says like nothing, but Liza says that she looks like pink seashells or something like that. Yeah, she's describing, I think, the shape of her breasts as oh, pink yeah. pink seashells liza says that she must want to touch herself she's wet between the legs liza is undressing here and lets claire feel the dildo that she brought with her it's a little crooked rubber dildo and it looks like a hot dog <laughs> yes it does it's very shiny she asks her if she wants her to touch her pussy with it Liza then slowly works it into Claire's vagina and starts to fuck her with it. We then see Liza run into Ken. She says that she's going back home. She then asks Ken if he loves Claire. He doesn't answer at first, but finally he says he doesn't want her to leave. Liza, to leave. But he does love Claire. We then see Ken holding Claire and spinning around with her, dancing with her. We see Ken and Claire in a bedroom. Uh, it looks like Liza might be watching from the other side of the room as Ken turns on the light and sits down. Claire unbuttons his pants and they kiss as she works his way down his bot as she works her way down his body and starts to blow him. She stands up and uh, undresses and lays down on the bed. Ken catches a glimpse of Lee's cash book and grabs it and sets it aside, climbing back onto the bed and uh, kissing Claire's crotch before pulling her panties off mm -hmm. and uh, going down on her. I think he's going to have a hard time fucking her because his brain's too busy thinking about that book. <laughs> all the blood it's gotta focus or maybe he'll just fuck her for a real long time cause he's like not thinking about it he's like what's in that book that says cash 
I think he could just lean over and pick it up and just read it while pounding away at her. Probably. She probably wouldn't notice. That's how they treat her the rest of the film. They may as well do that. (laughs) Claire tells him that she wants him and then says that she wants his cock inside of her. We see him start to fuck her missionary. After a bit, he lays her sideways, but as he's changing positions, he almost pushes his dick into her ass. But uh, he figured it out and didn't. We see some sideways sex, and they switch to doggy. They fuck a bit longer before he pulls out and comes on her ass. We then see the butler and the bell courts coming out of their car and entering the house. We then hear Magda yelling at Ken from outside the house. We don't see inside what's happening. Uh, Outside the house, the butler hands Ken a check and says that should cover his expenses in the time he's been there, but Mrs. Belcourt never wants to see him again. He gets in the car with Ken, the butler, gets in the car with Ken, and uh, they go to take off, but when they do, Claire pops up in the back and demands that they drive away. So Claire ends up at the house that Ken and Liza are at, We get a montage of Ken, Claire, and Liza all interacting in various ways. We then see Ken sitting in a chair, and Magda walks in unexpectedly. He asks her if she came to get her daughter. She says no, noting that she's always been promiscuous, didn't you know? She says that she came to see him. She says she paid him for a certain set of skills he has, like you would pay for a dog or a racehorse. He says that, oh, you want me to fuck you? He says, fine. He'll give her a hard fucking. He tells her that they'll do it right here. Uh, She asks when they'll be back, and he knows that they should be gone for hours, so he tells her to undress, and she gets down to some lingerie she was wearing under her clothes. He then tells her to start to play with herself. Then he tells her to close her eyes, and when she does, he turns on his tape recorder and starts recording. He makes her say, Ken, I want you to fuck me, repeatedly. Then he walks across the room and gets on his knees and starts to fuck her as she lays back on the chair. Hell yeah. They go at it for a bit. Then she tells him not to pull out. And he does pull out. Then he asks if she wants a real fucking. Gets up and puts on his pants. He then shows her a copy of Lee's ledger. He's made photocopies of it. It's got all the kickbacks, padded receipts, all the proof he needs. He shouldn't keep all that in a big book that has cash written on the front. (laughs) She asks what Ken wants. He says, fame, freedom, my own Learjet. Half the oil stock. We see Claire listening from outside the room. He wants her to lean on Lee and get him paid, I guess. So, Or he's going to give it to the publisher to print in the papers. All of Lee's dirty business. Oh, no. She starts to get dressed as she yells at Ken for watching her as she's getting dressed. And then Claire comes in and slaps the shit out of Magda. (laughs) I think at this point, Claire can see. Maybe. 
it seems like it. Like she runs into the room and slaps her right in the face. Yeah, I guess it's so. Like she saw, she saw her mom with her her boyfriend and was blinded by it. Yeah, but then she saw her mom with her new boyfriend and was unblinded by it. Yeah, it's the whole you get hit in the head twice, your memory comes back thing from the cartoons. Like you get hit once and you lose your memory. And then all you need to do to regain your memories to get hit in the head again. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. I need to hit <laughs> you in the head again. Yeah, you only hit me once. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess she... Yeah, something happened and now she's unblind and Magda might be blind. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, just to get a taste of her own medicine. <laughs> we then cut to Ken talking to Suzanne again. He says he left with Liza and Lee's money. Uh, He went to New York. He says, One firestorm is enough for any man's life. I lived through mine, and it burned. It burned. Against the sea and the white sky, it burned. The image of the girl, I loved her. And wherever she is, I love her still. Then we cut back to the scene we saw at the very beginning of the film with Claire standing naked, looking out a window. She puts her hand up against the window, and the scene fades out, Yeah, and we get credits. We didn't address it. It was just a pretty bad fake storm. (laughs) So I'm bringing it up now. Yes, it's... uh, Some sprinkler on the window, thunder from a... (laughs) fucking sound library record shit <laughs> yes couldn't even wait for a day that it rained <laughs> all right when you have like a two-day production time when you're lucky yeah it never rains in probably california anyway so yeah probably okay. this is probably california i think this is a california picture all right well that was firestorm great let's go to break and then let's come back and this beanstalk down okie dokie foreskins foreskins are coming back it's like pubic hair yeah it's coming back in style the thing is though is that like a lady in the 90s who shaved off all her pubes your foreskin's just not growing back yeah that's true we're gonna be the laughing stock of the world yeah for not having our foreskins (laughs) once um yeah once we're dead and they're at the funeral and they're looking at us in the coffin and they see our circumcised dicks <laughs> they're going to mock us because they'll all be a bunch of uncircumcised zoomers and uh whatever comes after a zoomer uh yeah and that's why i'm uh buying a set of weights off amazon to regrow my foreskin excellent <laughs> 
All right, well, uh, welcome back to the Raincoat Report. It's time for the Raincoat Review for Firestorm. Okay. So, as is tradition, Jeremy, you take this and uh, do it. Thank you. Okay, should I go ahead? I guess. All right, there'll just be some noises. There's always noises in the background, because nobody can be quiet. Oh, yeah. That's why I told you we gotta go to that back room. We'll just push all that stuff there into here. We're gonna go do it in the shed. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite Beatles song, is why don't we do it in the shed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I like Firestorm. I, it definitely has some uh, structural and narrative issues, just trying to put everything together. Mm-hmm. There's a framing device that doesn't really frame anything. Right. It's just kind of dropped in. Um, two or three times in the film to remind you that it's happening. Right. There are flashbacks within flashbacks. <laughs> um, there are tales and dreams. There are visions and prophecies. This film contains multitudes. Yes, it does. And one firestorm is enough for any man's life. Exactly. So I'm, so I'm glad they didn't make a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed this film. It was... Uh, it's a real banger of a uh, of a pornographic adult movie. Uh, to me, it had strong uh, strong acting. I liked Eric Edwards as a lead. I don't think we've really had him as one before. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I think that as far as stuff that we've covered, this is the first time that Eric Edwards has been the lead. I will say, in, I think in the Cecil Howard films we've watched, the mostly all had different leads which is kind of nice yeah sometimes i feel like certain directors pick somebody and kind of stick with them but he's uh he's producing he's ringing the best he can out of weird people looking people like ron jeremy and eric edwards is fine he's a handsome fella right. he's got a face that's kind of a little blocky from being in the 80s <laughs> back when people just didn't have as many pixels Right. <laughs> Overall. <laughs> but he's a handsome fella. Uh, I like Kay Parker uh, in this one. Yeah. She's a very good villainous, very uh, unlikable person. <laughs> like uh, evil stepmother. I like Ricky Hart's badass au pair who's a thief. She only gets like a moment or two to shine, really, but it's yeah. one of my favorite scenes of the movie, so... That works out. Uh, I think it looks really good. I think it tells a... Uh, once you kind of come to grapple with the structure of the story, I think the story's a pretty decent one. Uh-huh. Uh, involves blackmail. And like a lot of other Howard's, Howard films, it seems to kind of be about, uh, I guess, masculinity in a way. Yeah, like, I could see that. Like, just trying to, like, find your place in the world as a man and... Uh, the struggles of uh, relationships and life and everything, which a lot of porn films, I think, I guess they're uh, filmed in what they call the male gaze, but a lot of them tend to be films about women in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. More than men sometimes. I guess it's probably, it's probably like 50-50, but uh, yeah, they're not all as, uh, I guess, as deep or as thoughtful as this one is, which I liked. Yeah. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Can't really think of too many negative things I would say about it other than 
some of the structural stuff is just kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked how melodramatic it got. Of the Howard films we've watched, it's probably been my favorite so far. Okay. Uh, I liked it maybe just a little bit more than Scoundrels. Okay. But uh, I would probably, at the end of the day, rate them about the same. Uh, about a four. Okay. Uh, I give it a four. Four big, throbbing, thrusting erections. <laughs> Pointed to the sky. Excellent. Just blasting jizz triumphantly. <laughs> Uh, well, this is a fun movie. Um, I think that you might have dug it more than I did. Yeah. Um, it is... It's an entertaining ride. It definitely wasn't boring at any point. There's some good sex in it. I'd agree that the soundtrack was really good. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot to mention it, but there's a real cool... Uh, it's like a post-kiss, like, 80s hard rock kind of track when Liza's dancing in a bar. Uh-huh. That was played by Exference, who did the theme to Scoundrels, who okay. played that. So, it was kind of neat. It was just some song about boogieing and shaking your ass. Uh-huh. It's the kind of thing you'd expect from uh, morons. <laughs> um, I mean, the performances are largely pretty good. Um, at the end of the day, though, I just didn't really connect with the story that much, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like, I did appreciate stuff like the blinding slap and yeah. uh, the monologue from the au pair and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't really, like... I just felt like the whole movie, I didn't really know where it was going, which in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But once we got to the end of the movie, I didn't feel like there was much of a, a satisfying conclusion to the film. I could, Yeah, I could see that. Um, there wasn't... You know, he went through the firestorm. What do you? What else do you want from him? <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> What else do you want from Eric point. Edwards? He's, he fucked around and lost a job. Yeah. I guess that's really what the movie's about at the end of the day, and that's why I can relate so much to it. (laughs) I guess so. That might... Okay. Um, But overall, I gave it three stars. All right. It's quite a gap. It's almost open as wide as Kay Parker's pussy. Oh. uh, Okay. It it was open in the movie. Oh, yeah, when uh, Lewis was having his way with her. Yeah, he was just popping. He was just spreading it out. Uh, Okay, well, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at uh, RaincoatReport, RaincoatReport at gmail.com if you want to email us. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, and tell a friend, uh, let other people know about the Raincoat Report, help us get more listens, and we'll give you more content. Yes, they uh, are saying we're the most popular podcast of all time now. They are? Yeah. Many people are saying it. I've heard that. There are many such cases. Yeah. Um, and they, they love us. The people love us now. The, the listens are going up. The, the money's coming in. The ratings are up, probably, if the listeners are up. Do we get Nielsen ratings? Can you bring those in next time? Uh, I'll see what I can do. Okay. Well, uh, until then, I'm going to let Boss say the thing 
Uh, if you are ghost riding a rich woman's autobiography, well, if you're ghost riding the whip, don't forget your raincoat. <laughs> <laughs>